Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here today with the most unlikely third video in a series, perhaps ever. That's right, folks, we're talking about Bayonetta 3 and not just the game that is to be released imminently on the Nintendo Switch, but also the third video about Helena Taylor, the original voice actress that played the character of Bayonetta and her continuing attempts to color and massage the story that she originally went out with that gained so much traction. Now, if you don't know at all what I'm talking about, you can check out the prior two videos in this series where first we talk about the original commentary from Ms. Taylor and the holes that it had in the narrative that she was describing. She said that she was only offered $4,000 to play the role of Bayonetta, which admittedly sounds low, but we looked at some of the union scale wages and it appeared like it could be possible for someone offered the role of a video game character that maybe didn't have a ton of sessions or a ton of lines that they needed to put forth in the game. But in that video, we also noted that she had left out a lot of things that would be of pertinence. How much time would she actually be spending taping this? What was her counter request? Because all she ever says is that she's looking for a fair and decent livable wage, but she never actually tells us what that number should be and much, much more. Please do check out that video if you're interested in all the background there. Now in part two, We commented on a Jason Schreier piece from Bloomberg that talked about, hey, it's not exactly as she described it would be. And this was covered in other outlets as well, including VGC Video Games Chronicle that talked about what had been said. In private messages exchanged with VGC, Taylor called the suggestion that she was offered more than $4,000 categorically untrue. She also labeled claims by sources that she couldn't have earned $15,000, an absolute lie and a complete joke. I'd quite like to put this in the rearview mirror and leave the whole bloody franchise behind, she told VGC. So I think I'll just let my videos stand. I spoke the truth. Now, of course, that's in counterpoint to Bloomberg saying, well, Platinum and Nintendo say they were preparing to have four or five sessions of three to $4,000 a piece. So at least $15,000 as a total fee. And in that Bloomberg article, as we pointed out in that second video, it did include a little nugget at the end that said, after this all fell apart, she was offered a cameo appearance in Bayonetta 3 to which they offered the $4,000 that appeared to line up with what she had mentioned before, or at least that's how it looked. Enter last night, where Helena Taylor has quite a lot to say in a very early morning Twitter thread in an attempt to clarify this situation. Jason Schreier, Bloomberg, a whole lot of other people reporting on, at bare minimum, the mistruths and half-truths that Ms. Taylor had put forward in order to make the case for herself. It has come to my attention, says Ms. Taylor, that some people are calling me a liar and a gold digger. I feel the need to defend myself and my reputation in the industry. See threat. And again, this all comes from a place where Ms. Taylor was trying to get fans of the Bayonetta character and Bayonetta series to boycott the imminent release of the game, which on its own isn't necessarily a bad act, but that every one of us should take into account would have a negative ramification, not just for the voice actress that took over for Ms. Taylor, Jennifer Hale, but also for all of the many people that are either developing or publishing this particular game. So it is a big ask made by a voice actor that hasn't played this character in some time. And so that's why everybody was looking at it very carefully. It didn't seem to tell the whole story. And as it turns out, it didn't. 
As I posted on part three of my video thread, I explained that there, this is Platinum and Nintendo's first offer was too low. That offer, which we did not know until now, was $10,000 total. Remember, she again does trying to contour the messaging. This is a $450 million franchise, not counting merchandise. I then wrote in Japanese to Hideki Kamiya asking for what I was worth. I thought that as a creative, he would understand. Note, again, for the second time, that she is not going to tell us what she asked for. She's going to refute rumors, straw men rumors, about what she asked for. She's not going to let us know what that was. And now that we know that despite the implication of her original statement that $4,000 was an increase and was in fact above what she was originally offered, which is how I interpreted her statements in that first video, you can check that out. I don't think there's any other way to interpret what she had said to us. We now know that the offer originally was higher and we will see now that it gets higher yet. He replied, saying how much he valued my contribution to the game and how much the fans wanted me to voice the game. I was then offered an extra $5,000 or $15,000 for the session, which remember is exactly what Bloomberg reports. This would have brought Taylor's total fee to $15,000 and which she describes as categorically untrue before saying she wants to put this mess behind her after asking for everyone who loves Bayonetta to boycott the purchase of the newest game in the series. This is really starting to unravel now. Primarily, it seems, based on the first tweet, because she doesn't like people calling her names. And nobody should be called names, right? We can analyze her argument without analyzing her as a person because that's not what we do here. We're not in the room with her. We don't have to do that here in virtual legality. We can analyze what she tells us and say, oh my goodness, This was as disingenuous as I could have imagined when I was mentioning to people that it seemed to have a lot of red flags for me. Let's continue. So I declined to voice the game. Okay, you don't want to work for $15,000. More power to you. I can't tell you that I would for such a big deal. My main character, the thing that is most associated with me as a person, I might ask for more as well. She declines to voice the game. I then hear nothing from them for 11 months. They then offer me a flat fee to voice some lines for $4,000. Any other lies, such as $4,000 for five sessions, are total fabrication. So now we're arguing over quantity, right? Her total fabrication, complete untruth, is not that Bloomberg discovered that the offers weren't less than $4,000 before they were raised to $4,000. They call out $15,000. That lines up with exactly what she says. It's an untruth because... Bloomberg also reported that apparently what they were told from Platinum is that it was three to $4,000 a session, could have been up to five sessions, which of course makes that total, lawyer math folks, $20,000. So it couldn't have possibly been $20,000. That's a complete lie. And she thinks that she is clarifying things and making herself look better here, when in fact, it's exactly the opposite. There were not extensive negotiations, as been quoted. I've also been informed of ridiculous fictions, such as that I asked for $250,000. That's not in the Bloomberg article at all. I am a team player. I was just asking for a fair living wage in line with the value that I bring to this game. And here's the unfortunate truth. And I said this before. This is going to sound like the cold corporate lawyer version of me. It might, in fact, be that they offered you value commensurate with that to which you add to the game. I'm very sorry to say this, but a lot of people are not buying an action video game from Platinum for the voice acting that is contained therein, especially if they can replace it 
with relative ease. As I also said in that first video, if you start asking for huge amounts of money, well, that opens their ability to go and find someone else that they prefer to work with or that they think potentially bring more people to the video game. And Jennifer Hale is, of course, one of the ambassadors of voice acting is in a lot of games that a lot of people really like in a lot of roles that they really love. So if you do ask for a lot more money, and it's worth noting that Ms. Taylor does not mention again what she asked for she just says it wasn't $250,000, which of course opens up the range as between zero, or if we're being really, really generous to the person here, then $15,000, which is what she was offered, and $250,000. She was offered something more than that. And so what it was that she asked for, we don't know. Bloomberg reported on it being six figures. It, does that require it to be two fifty? dollars No, it requires it to be 100 And we don't know any more than what we did to start out with. Also worth noting that she tries to use the timing component here. I then heard nothing from them for 11 months. That's a bummer, right? You don't like to hear that from a negotiating partner that you don't get otherwise any kind of acknowledgement, either positive or negative about how these negotiations are going. You don't hear for 11 months and then they offer you $4,000. But the question becomes, when is that? When is 11 months from when negotiations broke down? Bayonetta 3 has been being worked on for a long period of time. When did this affront to your character and talent and all your history that you put forth in your three videos, when did this actually occur? But I'd be willing to bet that it didn't occur two weeks before the release of the video game. So if it didn't occur in the immediate time period that we're looking at right now, when did it occur? Because that's an important part of understanding your motivation here as well. How did this get presented to you and did you just hold it for the release of the video game so that you could ask people to hurt the company here that previously paid you and that gave you this role in the first instance? I could not talk about the game because of NDAs. We talked about NDAs pretty extensively earlier on and we wrote an article about them in The Escapist, but I happily answered fan letters emails, sign posters, or emails, depending on how you want to pronounce that, recorded voice messages for weddings and birthdays. I kept up interest in the game during the long periods of radio silence from Platinum. She wants to get paid for unrequested Bayonetta marketing. She feels put upon here, and I don't necessarily blame her. We can all have sympathy and empathy for the human experience, but this is a business. And then she went out and asked for money to bring Bayonetta back and get a much higher level of salary than what she got in the first instance. The only time I was ever at a game conference, I felt weird asking for money for a signature as they had already paid for the game, and I was grateful that they liked my work and the character. So I donated 100% of signing fees to charity. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. She's not the most trustworthy of sources here. I will post those 14 charities, and here's where it gets real, so that you can donate to charity instead of buying this game from corrupt, greedy people. Again, this is the company that gave her the role in the first instance. She's unhappy with being offered $15,000 for the role. She goes out and tells the world that she was ultimately only offered $4,000 as if that was the highest amount she had been offered to pay, and then she calls them corrupt and greedy because she's not getting her cut of what she describes as a $450 million series, which I can't even fathom for the Bayonetta series, but I would love to see the math on that. Then she follows that up after throwing Platinum and Nintendo under the bus with an attack on journalism and reporting. There are people who are attempting to throw shade and discredit what I say, the industry is powerful, 
They have powerful journalists too. They are trying to save their asset, don't fall for it, and boycott the game. Now, that's clearly a reference to Bloomberg. That's clearly a reference to Jason Schreier. I doubt very much it's a reference to me, who doesn't hold himself out as a journalist, but does report on these kinds of things. And I would also add, it doesn't take a journalist, it doesn't take even a critical thinker to look at what you are saying here and then and say, "Eh, I don't need to give a lot of credit to this. Now, she also kind of broke the Twitter thread a little bit. Um, So that happened a couple of times. I do want to point out one other thing here in these threads. I couldn't find everything that she said other than kind of corrupt and greedy people and implying that Bloomberg is a member of an industry cabal and is trying to keep Platinum Games and Nintendo up and running against her, which is an odd thing to accuse Jason Schreier of. Look, you know, if you've been in virtual legality for a while, Jason has been blocked, doesn't really appreciate my commentary, and I've had criticism for the way that he reports things. But in general... Siding with the company against the employee or against the contractor and getting to the truth of the matter goes against Jason Schreier's ordinary biases, which is to find every disgruntled employee that he can and otherwise uh, assault the employers and their way of conducting business, whether that's through crunch stories or union stories or anything else. So the fact that Jason Schreier, of all people, is looking at this and saying, I think Platinum Games has the right of it. We've looked at the documentation. You don't have to believe him. I said that in the prior video. We don't have enough information and necessarily take it on its face, but it does go against his natural tendencies. So accusing him of being a cabal that helps prop up the industry is perhaps a little bit inappropriate. Then we get a little bit more information about the money here. Uh, We already talked about there were not extensive negotiations. She then had a broken Twitter item here that said, I was paid a shockingly low total of 3,000 pounds for the first game, a little more for the second. I wanted to voice her. I've drummed up interest in this game ever since I started on Twitter in 2011, and therein lies the rub, right? It appears that Helena Taylor identifies with the character of Bayonetta, feels that she is Bayonetta, right? If you look at that video series from a few weeks back, you hear her say, Jennifer Hale can't sign as Bayonetta because I am Bayonetta. That is my character. And outside of the fact that a video game character is a combination of hundreds of different people putting their artistic talents into making a character work and making that world around that character work, We can understand how a person, an actor, could get this invested in a character, and we can be a little bit sympathetic. But when you start to say, look, I've been at cons, and I've been getting signing requests, and I've been trying to say, yes, bring back Bayonetta, and I deserve more money than $3,000 or £3,000 in this particular instance, I don't necessarily disagree with you. But when you say 3000 and then a little more for the second, let's assume it's four, and you get offered the equivalent of 15000 gets a little bit confusing because we're talking pounds than dollars. That does sound like a significant increase. When VGC reports on it, they report that it represented a significant increase on Taylor's fee for the second game. So what is happening here is that you're trying to take advantage of people's goodwill and making these half-truth statements, making these misstatements to get people on your side. And when people call you out, you get more defensive. This isn't going to work for anybody. You've lost the plot. So yes, as I said in the thumbnail, this time it's personal but this isn't going to work out well for you. And in all honesty, you got me thinking about buying a product in Bayonetta 3 that I was very disinclined to buy because I didn't think it would work terribly well on the Switch's limited, limited system power. Now, as another counterpoint to all this, I do want to say one thing. It was actually Stephen Totillo at Axios that flagged this an hour or so back. And that is that a very much interest to both Jennifer Hale and the rest of the voice actors in the video game industry 
the union scale that we talked about in that second video is actually coming up as over. SAG after extends video game contract to 2022 in variety. That extension went until November 7th, 2022. That is less than a month away. So Helena Taylor appears to be having a bit of a Twitter breakdown, and that's normal for Twitter. If you use it too long, everybody's going to have a Twitter breakdown from time to time. It's that bad of a service. I'm sorry. It's a hellscape from which there is no escape. But, but she's also serving a useful purpose to basically everybody else in voice acting and video games. And one does wonder exactly whether or not the timing of her outbursts here reflect the situation. People didn't know that major characters essentially had a scale rate of $4,000 if you can get it all done in a few sessions. And so here we look at the union and we see, yes, they're very happy to extend it from 2020 to 2022, especially during the pandemic. But now you have an outcrying of folks saying, well, regardless of the truth value of what she said, and I think everybody can understand that she was um, playing with facts in order to make a more sympathetic and emotional appeal on her side, people still do look at that and say, well, even $15,000 might be low for what is a role in a major video game. So that does arm the union with the potential to negotiate it further. The question then becomes, while it's useful to put a spotlight on issues like this, for especially for folks that don't know what numbers we're even talking about, is it good to have an envoy, a messenger like Helena Taylor, who so clearly at bare minimum skirted the lines, if not crossed them, on what was truth and what was not. And I'll leave you with this. I, I did like a tweet here from Stealth, who is a regular kind of Twitter commentator on, in particular, Nintendo games and the Nintendo service, who says, this is a reminder to wait until the true story comes out before people fly off the handle, which is exactly what we said in this series. This only confirms that people should absolutely buy and enjoy Bayonetta 3 guilt-free, Besides the misrepresentation of the actual truth in her original statement, the call to boycott in order to take down the game and everyone who worked on it was so uncalled for. The conversation about fair pay is important, but now it seems like this was about hurt feelings. And indeed it does stealth. And as I mentioned in this video, it looks more and more likely that even though I hadn't intended to buy it before, I will be buying Bayonetta 3. What do you all think about it? Leave a comment to this video to let me know what you think of Ms. Taylor, whether or not you fell for it in the first instance, whether the Bloomberg article changed your mind, and how you feel about this last set of statements. If you enjoy conversations about the business and law of video games, technology, software, and more, please do consider supporting the channel. We can't do it without support from viewers and listeners like you. Check out our Utreon, our Patreon, our YouTube memberships. And if none of that appeals to you, that's absolutely fine. Just subscribing, ringing the bell, upvoting, downvoting, leaving those comments that we talked about Every single time YouTube can see you engaging or otherwise liking a video like this one, they let other people know that videos like this are out there and every little bit helps. If you did catch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.